my favorite things of all time is Richard Nixon saying, peace. Huh? I never told a lie. <laughs> it's something that has scarred us our whole life. You can Google it and get Richard Nixon going, peace. In his... That was a pretty good imitation, wasn't it? Not bad, not bad. So you guys are going to have to Google it at some point. Not tonight, not right now. Don't do it. Fight it. Don't do it. Millhouse. Richard Millhouse. <laughs> All right, that enough, Kevin. So, huh? It's amazing. It's amazing. So... You know, when I die, I want to die peacefully, like my grandfather. Not like the people that was in his bus screaming when he died. <laughs> my grandpa fell asleep and crashed the bus, and everybody died. And he died peacefully, though. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, why... Okay, so, so why is Gaston the most peaceful um, Disney villain? What? Why is Gaston the most peaceable Disney villain? Because he won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> or the Nobel Prize. There you go. Nobel, get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I looked up peace. I looked up the definition of peace. So it's interesting. So in the Old Testament, the word for peace was called shalom. Okay? It's pronounced shalom, and it means peace. And, and in, the, in the Hebrew dictionary, it's, it means you're well, happy, friendly. It means also welfare. For example, your health your prosperity, your peace, and then rest and safe. And it also means holy, not as in righteous holy, but as in holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, like holy as in you're, you're whole inside. Like you, you eat the whole donut, you know, holy kind of thing. <laughs> you always feel good when you eat the whole donut, right? Right. So, so it's interesting. So... My wife and I went to Israel this last year, this last spring. And when we went, we heard a lot of people say, shalom, you know, a, a lot. And if, and if you said shalom to a Jewish person, they always said shalom back to you and they smiled because they were like, yes, they get it. You know, it was kind of interesting. And if you, if you haven't watched The Chosen, you really should watch the movie The Chosen. So, so as any guy see, it's not a movie, it's a series. And there's three seasons on it. And it's, it's interesting that you hear shalom in it a lot because that was their culture. They always greeted with shalom. They wanted peace. And there was a reason for that. But, but it was interesting that um, Jesus oftentimes said shalom, shalom, which means peace, perfect peace. And, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, I know in my life, I've, had, I've been through a lot of storms. And, and in a small group, when we, when we meet afterwards, 
I hear about a lot of you guys in the midst of some storms that are pretty bad storms. And, and it's crazy, but I'm going to share some promises in Scripture that God promises you peace in the midst of your storm. He doesn't promise that he's going to take away the storm, but he promises you peace in the midst of your storm. And for me, that attracts me to him. That, that makes, because I think everybody, you know, there's no generation like the generation that's growing up now that's experiencing anxiety, depression. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, there, I, I know the millennial generation and, and, and the generation now, they say over 50% of people right now are experiencing anxiety, social disorder. Um, they, they're, they're lacking peace. And to me, it's a no-brainer that, that this, this right here is what brings me peace in the midst of my storms. I mean, I've been through a lot in my life. Um, I, I can share lots of stories. I went through the windshield of a car when I was little. I mean, Life is hard. You know, I, I, I lost a baby sister. I mean, I, my parents divorced. I, I know what it's like to go through those things. And, and I know a lot of you guys go through that. And I just know I found peace because I found Jesus. And, and I know he can do that same for you. So the New Testament, there's three different words that are used for peace in the New Testament. The first one is in the Greek is siopano. Siopao, which is, if you used it in a sentence, it would be like, peace be still. So it's that kind of peace. And basically, it just means hush, quiet. That's, that's what it means. It's like, you must silence. It, it, it means that, that it's, it's muted. It's involuntary stillness or an inability to speak. So, so that's what happens. Um, the second one is, is ireini, ireini. And it, it basically is it like, say, if you say, my peace I leave with you, Jesus said that. And, and basically it means prosperity. It means one, as in whole. Um, it means peace. It means quietness. It means rest. It's set at one again. So, and that's the, that's the use of the word in the fruit of the Spirit, peace. Okay? <clears throat> so when, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that's the word that they use there. And then the third one is, it's used like saying, it's called um, fimo-o. Fimo-o. <laughs> it's like these Greek words. Um, it's hold thy peace. Jesus said, hold thy peace to a demon and, and said, and come out. So when he said peace in that instance, he basically said to muzzle, to just <laughs> shut him up, you know, hold, hold it, man. hold peace means just to stop. You can't talk. So it, it's interesting. So when we, when we open the Bible, there's a lot of them. Um, Titus, can you pull up Psalm 2911? Basically, Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord, and just the second half of it, it says, the Lord will give peace. It says, the Lord will bless his people with peace. 
He, he promises that. If you're, his, if you're his people, he'll bless you with that. It's a promise. And, 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 and I guarantee you that if you trust him and you ask for, for peace, he promises he won't hold back. He, he gives that to you. And I, I also have Psalm 119, verse 165. I gave you the wrong one, Titus. So it's 165. It says, great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. I mean, there's no, no greater time like now in our country where people are offended. Am, am I not right? Everybody's offended about everything. It's crazy. I mean, adults, I mean, if you're Democrats, you're offended by the Republicans. If you're a Republican, you're, Demo- you're offended by the Republicans. You know, it, it's crazy. And, and if you're independent, you're, re- you're offended by them both, right? Um, it's just, just kind of crazy. But, but we live in a world that everybody's offended, but he says, great peace, they who have love. Your law, nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. I mean, gosh, that to me, that's a promise I want. That's something I can hang my hat on. So there's a section of scripture that talks about in Luke chapter 8, there's a woman who, it, it says Jesus is, is on his way to heal a little girl, Jairus' daughter, who's sick. She's very sick, and Jairus has, he's, a, he's the leader of a synagogue. And, and you, most of the synagogue leaders, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They, they didn't want anything to do with him because he disrupted, I mean, their whole way of life. And, and he was saying things that was going to take away their security. And they, they didn't want that. But Jairus' daughter was sick, and he was, he was at, at, at end, you know, and he needed something. And he heard about Jesus, and he said, I'll go to Jesus. So he went to Jesus, and he said, hey, can you please come and heal my daughter? And Jesus said, yeah, let's go. So he comes with him. And uh, as he's going, he's walking down the road with, it says there was a mob. (laughs) There's a mob that's following with him. And uh, everybody's just right around him because they know he's going to go heal somebody. And they want to see that because that's what everybody wanted to do. They wanted to see it. Just like today, if you heard somebody was going to get healed, you want to go see it, right? I mean, you go see, you heard somebody's getting in a fight, you want to go see that, right? Well, this is kind of the same thing back then, okay? <laughs> um, so I, you know, anybody, just, 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 I got your attention, right? So the one thing that, that happened, though, is there's this lady that she heard about Jesus, too. And this lady's had an issue of bleeding. Doesn't say where or how. We just know she had an issue of bleeding for 12 years, and she, it, it, 12 years, she spent all her money. She's gone to all the different doctors, and not a single thing has helped her. She's still bleeding. She, and, and, and so she, she prays, right? And she says, God, help me. And somehow she heard in her spirit that she needed to go to Jesus, and all she had to do is touch the hem of his garment, and she would be healed. That, in her heart, that's what she heard. And so she went, and she, she went in. She, she's, she says, all I got to do is get there. 
And she came up behind him, and she touched his garment. And it says that she immediately knew that she was healed. She immediately knew, and she drew back, and and Jesus stops. (laughs) He goes, hey, (laughs) who touched me? (laughs) I just felt power go out. (laughs) And his disciples said, what are you, crazy, Jesus? Everybody's touched you, right? That, that's what every, they said, Jesus, everybody's touched you. And, and Jesus says, no, somebody has touched me, and power has come out. And the woman just says, I'm busted. <laughs> but she's not afraid because she was just healed. She knew she was healed. And she, so she went to him and says, she came, and she, it says she kneeled down before him. And, and she said, it was I. And, I, and then she explained what, what was going on and what happened to her. And so in Luke 8, 40, 48, I don't know if you have that. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. It was her faith. He said, and then he said, go enter into peace. I mean, this lady has been freaked out for 12 years. I mean, so I, I don't know if you, if you think about this, but somebody who had an issue of blood was unclean. <laughs> so if somebody noticed that she had blood, they would say, unclean, right? <laughs> they, everybody would get away from her. And they, I mean, she was alone for 12 years alone. She couldn't go near anyone. I mean, could you imagine how she felt for 12 years? And all of a sudden, she was healed. And he said, peace go with you. She's going to have peace for the first time in 12 years. Just think about that. Peace is hard, but it's available if you trust him. I mean, that's what everybody wants is peace, but they can't find it if you're looking for it in your own, if you're looking for it in the world. You're not going to find it. You're going to find it in Jesus. Um, there's, there was a, a storm. Jesus went out in a boat with all of his disciples. He went out in a storm. Great story. He's out in the boat. He gets in the front of the boat. And he falls asleep, right? <laughs> it starts, the, the storm comes up. The waves are coming. The wind's blowing. Water's coming in over the top, and Jesus is sleeping through it. Um, they're freaking out. They, I mean, the guys, over half the guys in the ship are fishermen. They've spent their life on the Sea of Galilee, and they're freaked out because this is a storm they've never been in. And if they were, they got off the lake a lot earlier. And, and if you think about it, Jesus knew the storm was coming. <laughs> he went to sleep because he had peace. He knew it was going to be okay, but they didn't. I was in a canoe. Or I was in a canoe one time on, on uh, Lion's Lake up, on, up by um, Hungry Horse Reservoir, right by, you, you think about it, I'm, I'm up by um, Glacier Park. And I went out in the morning, and the lake was calm. I had my wife and my two kids with me, and they were fishing. And they were catching fish, and they caught, I think we caught about a dozen fish. And I was jealous because I was the one paddling, and, oh, almost came unplugged. I was the one paddling, and they were fishing. And then they got tired and distracted. You know how kids are. They get distracted easy, yeah. So, 
<laughs> and they, they wanted to go into shore and play and go eat and do whatever stuff. And so I took them back into shore and we got something to eat. And I said, I'm going to go fish because they didn't want to fish anymore. They were done. So I hopped in the boat and got out there. I didn't get out there maybe 30 yards and the wind came up. And, and it blew me across the lake. I mean, it blew me across the lake. There was nothing I could do. I mean, it was in a, I was out there by myself doing this, and it was like, shh, and I went all the way to the other side of the lake. It was not a huge lake, but it took me a half an hour to drag the canoe <laughs> by the rope all the way around the lake. It, it was crazy. I, I thought I was going to die. You know, it just it was nothing I could do. I was helpless. I know their feeling. These guys are in this boat, and, and they're freaking out. They think they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up, and he says, oh, you have little faith. I, I don't know if you guys, if you've been in a, in a storm, if you've been in a situation that's scary, you know, all you got to do is say, God, help me. I need help. I, I know I, I, I've told this story to, to some of you before, but some of you guys haven't heard it. I go up to Fort Belknap, and I work at a, a camp. I cook. And we'd set up this great big tent. And the tent is as wide, it's wider than this area here. And it's not quite as deep, probably for me to Kevin. But it's big. It's got, it's got two tenor, center poles. Like the one that we have out there has three center poles. And it's bigger than the one we had this summer. But this was a little smaller. But it had all the stakes down. And the stakes were pounded in with hammers. They weren't in cement like this one out here. And so the wind came up one night and it started to rain. And it started pulling these tent stakes out in the rope because the wind was picking up the tent. It got underneath and there was 80 to 100 mile an hour winds that were blowing this thing around. And there was rain coming down and I, somebody yelled at me. We went to the tent. We were going to try to save it, right? So we're holding down these poles. And uh, I was with a guy named Dan Bowden who played football for the Grizzlies. He was a tight end. Uh, he was 6'8", weighed about 280, just a big guy. And he went up there to camp with us again this summer. It was kind of cool. But he, uh, he was on one pole and I was on the other. And the wind came and picked up this stuff and it lifted these poles up off the ground. And I'm holding on to it. And I'm in the air about a foot in the air. <laughs> and I look over at Dan and he's a foot in the air. Huh? Actually, a foot, it lifted this up. I mean, it was just, when you get in a windstorm, there's nothing you can do. Uh, you really can't. And, and, and Dan said, I'm going to go get the, st- the sledgehammer. He's going to go get the sledgehammer, pound the stakes back in, because we got to get those stakes back in. Well, the ground was soaked. It wasn't going to work. But that was his idea. And he, yeah, and, and he left me there. He played for the Grizzlies. Yeah. He didn't go play in the NFL. He, he had a tryout and did. No, no. This, his name is Dan Bowden. You've probably never met him. But anyway, so he, he's gone, and I'm there all by myself, and the wind comes up again, and I'm trying to hold this thing down, and this time I'm two feet in the air, and I'm helpless. Same feeling I had in the lake. And I said, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Help me right now. And I heard this voice that said, I've given you the authority over the wind and the rain. And I remembered the story with Jesus. And I just said, I said, okay. I let go of the pole. I stepped out from the tent. And I just went, be still in Jesus' name. That's all I said. 
And the wind stopped. The wind stopped. He's a witch. No, I'm not a witch. I trust Jesus. And, and I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Be still. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. It just, the wind just stopped. It was crazy. It's something that if you hear God tell you, you have the authority, you do, and you need to take it, okay? But, but I was in a storm, and I found peace in the storm. It was kind of crazy. The, wind, the rain kept coming because I forgot to say to the rain to stop, right? And it kept raining, and the tent started filling in with all this water. And I'm like, I, I tried to lift the, st- the, the, the pole up to get it, and I, I could get it, but I couldn't get it far enough because I needed somebody to pull the other tent down. I could get it up so that, but I couldn't pull this one back. I needed two of them. And uh, I said, Lord, please send somebody to help me right now, please. And I felt this tap on my back. It was about here. And I turned around to look, and there was this little girl, about Luella's age. I'm not kidding, six years old, just a little girl. I said, God, you're so funny. Because <laughs> I said somebody, so he sent somebody, right? So... I wasn't specific. So I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to lift this up. I need you to grab that tent pole and just pull it back to you. I, I'll lift it up and you do that. And so I did. I lifted it up. She pulled that back. I pulled the other one back. I said, stay back. The water's going to come off and it just poured off. And, you know, God, if, you, if you pray, God will help you. He just promises. Um, John 14, 27. Do you have that, Titus? John 14, 27. Yeah. So it says this, peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give, and I bequeath it to you. Not as the world gives it to you do I give it, Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, peace I leave with you, my own peace. Jesus had peace. He knew. I mean, there was another time where there was a storm, and and Jesus sent his disciples out knowing this storm was going to happen. And he sent them out, and, and they went out into the storm by themselves. And then he went walking on the water to them, right? He did the same thing. You know, he walked on water. That's the Jesus I know that I believe in because I know he's going to help me. Um, he said this also in John sixteen thirty three. He says, I have told you these things so that in me, and when he's talking about this was the night that, that he was betrayed, the night before he died on the cross. He said this to his disciples. He've, he's told them all kinds of things about how to overcome things. He's telling him that, that he has to leave, he has to die, so that when he, when he dies, he'll come back to life, and then he can come through the power of the Holy Spirit to live inside us. But he had to die to do that so he could come back. If he stayed here, he couldn't come inside us. He had to die. So he did. He died. But he says, I've told you all these things so that in me you might have perfect peace. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds really good to me. Perfect peace and confidence. He says, in the world, you will have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration. But be in good cheer. 
take courage, for I have overcome the world. That's his promise. So I, I got really sick. I told you guys the story about me. I had encephalitis, spinal meningitis, mono. All three of those things can kill you. Um, I had that. And I was in the hospital. I was in a coma for five days. And a lot of people came in and prayed for me. I didn't need peace because I was sleeping, you know. But my wife needed peace. And, and I know there was a song that, that spoke volumes to her. And uh, it's, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the song now. It was, it was one about oceans. Yeah. And, and it just, she found peace in that. And, and so I got healed. I, it was a miracle. I mean, people came and prayed for me. The doctor told my wife to, to tell, get her kids to come and see their dad before he goes. That's where I was. He said, people don't get up from where I was. And he said later that one half, less than one half of 1% of people that have mono to the level I had it survive. So when you're over 50 and you get mono, that means that it'll go undetected because no one will check you for mono because it's a teenager's disease. Uh-huh. But I didn't get exposed to it. Apparently, I didn't kiss any girls that had it when I was a kid. So it, it's amazing, right? But stop it. It wasn't that funny, okay? So, um, so I, I, you know, but I survived. God healed me. Uh, it was amazing. So anyway... Three months later, my wife, all of a sudden, she's got a pain. And I take her to the hospital because I know this isn't good. And I took her to the hospital, and they took her in, and they did an ultrasound. And they, the guy's talking to her, and he says, oh, my. Oh, my. I've never seen a gallbladder like this. Your gallbladder looks like a bratwurst. Gallbladder's supposed to look like an egg. <laughs> supposed to be about this big or something like that, and hers was this big. It had swelled out. He says, and the lining on this side is pretty weak, and it might break. <laughs> we need to do surgery. We need to remove it. So this was at about 7, 38 o'clock that night. He says, uh, I'm sorry, but we can't get a doctor in tonight. <laughs> we'll have to do it tomorrow. And, and I, just, I just knew I had this feeling like I'm going to lose my wife. You know, and I know it wasn't from God. It was, it was a lie from the enemy that, that planted that thought that I'm going to lose my wife. And, and I just know I, I started to pray because that's what I know we're supposed to do. I started to pray. And God gave me a peace. And I knew that he was going to heal her whether he was going to heal her right then or he was going to have give the doctors, going to keep her until the doctor could come in and remove her gallbladder, but that's what happened. The doctor came in the next day and removed her gallbladder, and, and she healed. She's, she's good. You know, she lived. But I know in the midst of that, I was afraid. I'm going to lose my wife. You know, this could happen right now. You know, because if your gallbladder bursts, it's not good because they call it gall because it's gall. And if it bursts, it's bad. I mean, it, it poisons you inside. And, and that's what they said. So 
there was a verse that that um, I I hung on to. It's a verse that I memorized when I was a brand new Christian. Um, it's Philippians four six and seven, which says this. It says, "Be anxious for nothing." Think that in. Think about that. He says, "Be anxious for nothing." He says, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. He doesn't promise he's going to fix things, but he does promise a peace. He's, he's going to, you know, because I know there's times I've prayed and things didn't get healed. I have a friend that died. And... I, I can't tell you why. I just know that it was his time. You know, he was he was a friend from the reservation. He was in his 80s. It was his time, but he had cancer, and, and God took him. And, you know, um, it happens. In this world, we're going to have trouble. The Bible says that the, the devil has come to steal and destroy. He, he's the father of all lies. But he says, I have come that you that you might have life. That's why Jesus came. You know, and it's, we need to, when we hear those things, just rebuke them in Jesus' name. Believe and pray with thanksgiving. Be thankful. But, but that's, that's what he says. Um, in Colossians 3.15, do you have that one, Titus? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I mean, if you looked it up, there's, there's probably 85 verses in the New Testament that, that promise peace through Jesus. Um, 1 Peter 1, verse 2, the end of that says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It's interesting. This was one of the verses I wrote down. And if you were in church on Sunday, um, the transition, um, Sabine's husband shared this verse. I mean, and, and he said, we need, we need to not forget this. We need to dwell on this. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Not just peace, but more peace. So, so that's, that's his promise. I don't know what, what situation you're in or what you've been in or where you're going, but I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be some hard things. It, it, it's just, it's a fact of life. There's going to be some hard things. And, and I'm not saying that to scare you. I just know it's going to happen because I know I've lived 64 years. I've seen some hard things. <laughs> And, and, you know, it, it's part of life. And, but God has taken me through those. He has blessed me beyond all measure. I mean, I, I've been married to my wife for 34 years. I mean, and she still loves me. <laughs> Even though I tell stupid dad jokes all the time. I mean, she still loves me. And, and, and it's awesome. But, but God will help you. I just know that when I was young, 
I needed God to help me through some hard things. And he did. And I know he's going to do that for you guys if you just trust him. So, so that's the thing. Just remember, he says, my peace I give to you. Jesus promises that. My peace I give to you. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for peace. Lord, not, not the peace that Richard Nixon had. The peace that you give. God, it's all we need. And I just pray for anyone here who's, who's dealing with anxiety, anyone who's dealing with depression, we just say peace be still over that right now in Jesus' name. We, we ask, God, that you would bring peace for everyone here that, that's struggling with something. God, I just pray you, you, you strengthen everyone here's faith. If, if somebody here hasn't surrendered their life to you, I pray you help them to do that, to ask questions tonight, to come and, and, and just seek your peace.